Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BBJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm Big Boys Jay, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories just for you. Links to all the stories can be found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a buy me a coffee link in every post. Tonight we continue our story, The Wind in the Willows, by Kenneth Graham. He'll be out of the boat in a minute if he rolls like that, said the rat, sitting down again. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good story about Toad and the lock keeper? It happened this way. Toad, an errant mayfly, swerved unsteadily athwart the current in the intoxicated fashion, affected by young bloods of mayflies seeing life. A swirl of water and a gloop, and the mayfly was visible no more. Neither was the otter. The mole looked down. The voice was still in his ears, but the turf whereon he had sprawled was clearly vacant. Not an otter to be seen as far as the distant horizon. But again there was a streak of bubbles on the surface of the river. The rat hummed a tune, and the mole recollected that animal etiquette forbade any sort of comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friends at any moment, for any reason or no reason whatever. Well, well, said the rat. I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder which of us had better pack the luncheon basket. He did not speak as if he was frightfully eager for the treat. Oh, please let me, said the mole. So, of course, the rat let him. Packing the basket was not quite such pleasant work as unpacking the basket. It never is. But the mole was bent on enjoying everything, and although just when he had got the basket packed, and strapped up tightly, he saw a plate staring up at him from the grass. And when the job had been done again, the rat pointed out a fork, which anybody ought to have seen, and last of all, behold, the mustard pot, which he had been sitting on without knowing it. Still, somehow, the thing got finished at last, without much loss of temper. The afternoon sun was getting low as the rat sculled gently homewards in a dreamy mood murmuring poetry things over to himself and not paying much attention to Mole. But the Mole was very full of lunch and self-satisfaction and pride, and already quite at home in a boat, so he thought, and was getting a bit restless besides. And presently he said, Raddy, please, I want to row now. The Rat shook his head with a smile. Not yet, my young friend, he said. Wait till you've had a few lessons. It's not so easy as it looks. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but he began to feel more and more jealous of Rat, sculling so strongly and so easily along, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. He jumped up and seized the skull so suddenly that the Rat, who was gazing out over the water and saying more poetry things to himself, was taken by surprise and fell backwards off his seat with his legs in the air for the second time, while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the skulls with entire confidence. Stop it, cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't do it. You'll have us over. The mole flung his skulls back with a flourish and made a great dig at the water. 
he missed the surface altogether. His legs flew up above his head and he found himself lying on top of the prostrate rat. Greatly alarmed, he made a grab at the side of the boat and the next moment, sploosh, over went the boat and he found himself struggling in the river. Oh my, how cold the water was and oh how very wet it felt. How it sang in his ears as he went down, down, down. How bright and welcome the sun looked as he rose to the surface, coughing and spluttering. How black was his despair when he felt himself sinking again. Then a firm paw gripped him by the back of his neck. It was the rat, and he was evidently laughing. The mole could feel him laughing right down his arm and through his paw, and so into his mole's neck. The rat got hold of a skull and shoved it under the mole's arm. Then he did the same by the other side of him and, swimming behind, propelled the helpless animal to shore, hauled him out, and set him down on the bank, a squashy, pulpy lump of misery. When the rat had rubbed him down a bit and wrung some of the wet out of him, he said, Now then, old fellow, trot up and down the towing path as hard as you can till you're warm and dry again while I dive for the luncheon basket. So the dismal mole, wet without and ashamed within, trotted about till he was fairly dry, while the rat plunged into the water again, recovered the boat, righted her, and made her fast, fetched his floating properly to shore by degrees, and finally dived successfully for the luncheon basket and struggled to land with it. When all was ready for a start once more, the mole, limp and dejected, took his seat in the stern of the boat, and as they set off, he said in a low voice, broken with emotion, Ratty, my generous friend, I am very sorry indeed for my uh, foolish and ungrateful conduct. My heart quite fails me when I think how I might have lost that beautiful luncheon basket. I've been terrible indeed, and I know it. Will you overlook this once and forgive me and let things go on as before? That's all right. Bless you, responded the rat cheerily. What's a little wet to a water rat? I'm more in the water than out of it most days. Don't you think any more about it. And look here. I really think you had better stop and come with me for a little time. It's very plain and rough, you know. Not like Toad's house at all, but... You haven't seen that yet. Still, I can make you comfortable, and I'll teach you to row and to swim, and soon you'll be as handy in the water as any of us. The mole was so touched by his kind manner of speaking that he could find no voice to answer him, and he had to brush away a tear or two with the back of his paw. But the rat kindly looked in another direction, and presently the mole's spirits revived again, and he was even able to give some straight back talk to a couple of moorhens who were snickering to each other about his bedraggled appearance. When they got home, the rat made a bright fire in the parlor and planted the mole in an armchair in front of it, having fetched down a dressing gown and slippers for him, and told him river stories till supper time. Very thrilling stories they were, too, to an earth-dwelling animal like mole, Stories about weirs and sudden floods and leaping pike and steamers that flung hard bottles. At least bottles were certainly flung, and from steamers, 
so presumably by them, and about herons, and how particular they were whom they spoke to, and about adventures down drains and night fishings with otter, or excursions far afield with badger. Supper was a most cheerful meal, but very shortly afterwards a terribly sleepy mole had to be escorted upstairs by his considerate host to the best bedroom, where he soon laid his head on his pillow in great peace and contentment, knowing that his new-found friend the river was lapping the sill of his window. This day was only the first of many similar ones for the emancipated mole, each of them longer and full of interest as the ripening summer moved onward. He learnt to swim and to row, and entered into the joy of running water, and with his ear to the reed stems he caught, at intervals, something of what the wind went whispering so constantly among them. Chapter 2 The Open Road Granny, said the mole suddenly, one bright summer morning, if you please, I want to ask you a favor. The rat was sitting on the river bank, singing a little song. He had just composed it himself, so he was very taken up with it, and would not pay proper attention to Mole or anything else. Since early morning he had been swimming in the river, in company with his friends the ducks, and when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly, as ducks will, he would dive down and tickle their necks just under where their chins would be if ducks had chins, till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him. For it is impossible to say quite all you feel when your head is under water. At last they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the riverbank in the sun and made up a song about them which he called Duck's Ditty. All along the backwater, through the rushes tall, Ducks are dabbling up tails all. Ducks tails, drakes tails, yellow feet a quiver. Yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river. Slushy green undergrowth where the roach swim. Here we keep our larder, cool and full and dim. Every one for what he likes. We like to be heads down, tails up, dabbling free. High in the blue above, swift swirl and call. We are down a dabbling, up tails all. I don't know that I think so much of that little song, Rat, observed the Mole cautiously. He was no poet himself and didn't care who knew it, and he had a candid nature. Nor don't the ducks neither, replied the Rat cheerfully. They say, why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like? instead of other fellows sitting on banks and watching them all the time, and making remarks and poetry and things about them. What nonsense it all is. That's what the ducks say. What oh, is, so it is, said the mole, with great heartiness. No, it isn't, cried the rat indignantly. Well, then it isn't, it isn't, replied the mole soothingly. But what I wanted to ask you was... "'Won't you take me to call on Mr. Toad? "'I've heard so much about him, "'and I do so want to make his acquaintance.' "'Why, certainly,' said the good-natured rat, "'jumping to his feet and dismissing poetry from his mind for the day. "'Get the boat out, and we'll paddle up there at once. 
it's never the wrong time to call on Toad. Early or late, he's always the same fellow. Always good-tempered, always glad to see you, always sorry when you go. He must be a very nice animal, observed the mole, as he got into the boat and took the skulls while the rat settled himself comfortably in the stern. He is indeed the best of animals, replied Rat. So simple, so good-natured, and so affectionate. Perhaps he's not very clever. We can't all be geniuses. And it may be that he is both boastful and conceited, but he has got some great qualities, as Toady. Rounding a bend in the river, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick with well-kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad Hall, said the rat. And that creek on the left where the notice board says, Private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse where we'll leave the boat. The stables are over there to the right. That's the banqueting hall you're looking at now. Very old, that is. Toad is rather rich, you know, and this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts though we never admit as much to Toad. They glided up the creek, and the mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of a large boathouse. Here they saw many handsome boats, slung from the crossbeams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and a deserted air. The rat looked around him. I understand, said he. Boating is played out. He's tired of it and done with it. What new fad he has taken up now? Come along and let's look him up. We shall hear all about it quite soon enough. They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower-decked lawns in search of Toad, whom they presently happened upon, resting in a garden wicker chair, with a preoccupied expression of face and a large map spread out on his knees. Hooray, he cried, jumping up on seeing them. This is splendid. He shook the paws of both of them warmly, never waiting for an introduction to the mole. How kind of you, he went on, dancing round them. I was just going to send a boat down the river for you, Ratty, with strict orders that you were to be fetched up here at once, whatever you were doing. I want you badly, both of you. Now, what will you take? Come inside and have something. You don't know how lucky it is you're turning up just now. Let's sit quiet a bit, Toady, said the rat, throwing himself into an easy chair, while the mole took another by the side of him and made some civil remark about Toad's delightful residence. Finest house on the whole river, cried Toad boisterously. Or anywhere else, for that matter, he could not help adding. Here, the rat nudged the mole. Unfortunately, the toad saw him do it and turned very red. There was a moment's painful silence, then Toad burst out laughing. All right, Ratty, he said. It's only my way, you know, and it's not such a very bad house, is it? You know you rather like it yourself. Now, look here. Let's be sensible. You are the very animals I wanted. You've got to help me. It's most important. It's about your rowing, I suppose, said the rat with an innocent air. You're getting on fairly well, though you splash a good bit still. With a great deal of patience and any quantity of coaching, you may... Oh, pooh, boating, interrupted the toad in great disgust. Silly boyish amusement. 
I've given that up long ago. Yeah, waste of time, that's what it is. It makes me downright sorry to see you fellows who ought to know better spending all your energies in that aimless manner. No, I've discovered the real thing. The only genuine occupation for a lifetime. I propose to devote the remainder of mine to it and can only regret the wasted years that lie behind me, squandered in trivialities. Come with me, dear Addie, and your amiable friend also, if he will be so very good. Just as far as the stable yard, and you will see what you shall see. He led the way to the stable yard accordingly, the rat following with a most mistrustful expression, and there, drawn out of the coach house into the open, they saw a gypsy caravan, shining with newness, painted a canary yellow, picked out with red and green wheels. There you are, cried the toad, straddling and expanding himself. There's real life for you, embodied in that little cart. The open road, the dusty highway, the heath, the common, the hedgerows, the rolling downs, camps, villages, towns, cities, here today, up and off to somewhere else tomorrow. Travel, change, interest, excitement, the whole world before you. An horizon that's always changing. And mind, this is the very finest card of its sort that was ever built, without any exception. Come inside and look at the arrangements. Planned them all myself, I did. The mole was tremendously interested and excited and followed him eagerly up the steps and into the interior of the caravan. The rat only snorted and thrust his hands deep into his pockets, remaining where he was. It was indeed very compact and comfortable. Little sleeping bunks, a little table that folded up against the wall, a cooking stove, lockers, bookshelves, a birdcage with a bird in it, and pots, pans, jugs, and kettles of every size and variety. All complete, said the toad, triumphantly, pulling open a locker. You see biscuits, potted lobster, sardines... Everything you can possibly want. Soda water here, baki there, letter paper, bacon, jam, cards, dominoes. You'll find, he continued as they descended the steps again, you'll find that nothing whatever has been forgotten when we make our start this afternoon. I beg your pardon, said the rat slowly as he chewed a straw. But did I overhear you say something about we and start and this afternoon? Now, you dear good old ratty, said Toad imploringly, don't begin talking in that stiff and sniffy sort of way. Because you know you've got to come. I can't possibly manage without you. So please consider it settled and don't argue. It's the one thing I can't stand. You surely don't mean to stick to your dull, fusty old river all your life and just live in a hole in a bank and boat? I want to show you the world. I'm going to make an animal of you, my boy. I don't care, said the rat doggedly. I'm not coming, and that's that. And I am going to stick to my old river and live in a hole and boat, as I've always done. And what's more, Mole's going to stick to me and do as I do. Aren't you, Mole? Of course I am, said the mole loyally. I'll always stick to you, rat, and what you say is to be has got to be. All the same, 
It sounds as if it might have been, well, rather fun, you know, he added wistfully. Poor Mole, the life adventurous was so new a thing to him, and so thrilling, and this fresh aspect of it was so tempting, and he had fallen in love at first sight with the canary-colored cart and all of its little fitments. The rat saw what was passing in his mind and wavered. He hated disappointing people, and he was fond of the mole, and would do almost anything to oblige him. Toad was watching both of them closely. "'Come along in, and let's have some lunch,' he said diplomatically, "'and we'll talk it over. We needn't decide anything in a hurry. Of course, I don't really care. I only want to give pleasure to you fellows. Live for others. That's my motto in life.' During luncheon, which was excellent, of course, as everything at Toad Hall always was, the Toad simply let himself go. Disregarding the rat, he proceeded to play upon the inexperienced mole as on a harp. Naturally a voluble animal and always mastered by his imagination, he painted the prospects of the trip and the joys of the open life and the roadside in such glowing colors that the mole could hardly sit in his chair for excitement. Somehow, it soon seemed taken for granted by all three of them that the trip was a settled thing, and the rat, though still unconvinced in his mind, allowed his good nature to override his personal objections. He could not bear to disappoint his two friends, who were already deep in schemes and anticipations, planning out each day's separate occupation for several weeks ahead. When they were quite ready, the now triumphant toad led his companions to the paddock and set them to capture the old grey horse, who, without having been consulted, and to his own extreme annoyance, had been told off by toad for the dustiest job in this dusty expedition. He frankly preferred the paddock and took a deal of catching. Meantime, toad packed the lockers still tighter with necessaries and hung nose bags, nets of onions, bundles of hay, and baskets from the bottom of the cart. At last the horse was caught and harnessed, and they set off, all talking at once, each animal either trudging by the side of the cart or sitting on the shaft as the humor took him. It was a golden afternoon. The smell of the dust they kicked up was rich and satisfying. Out of thick orchards on either side of the road, birds called and whistled to them cheerily. Good-natured wayfarers passing them gave them good day or stopped to say nice things about their beautiful cart, and rabbits, sitting at their front doors in the hedgerows, held up their forepaws and said, Oh my, oh my, oh my! Late in the evening, tired and happy and miles from home, they drew up on a remote common far from habitations, turned the horse loose to graze, and ate their simple supper setting in the grass by the side of the cart. Toad talked big about all he was going to do in the days to come, while stars grew fuller and larger all around them, and a yellow moon, appearing suddenly and silently from nowhere in particular, came to keep them company and listen to their talk. At last they turned into their little bunks in the cart, and Toad, kicking out his legs, sleepily said, "'Well, good night, you fellows.' is the real life for a gentleman. Talk about your old river. I don't talk about my river, replied the patient rat. You know I don't, Toad. Think about it, he added pathetically in a lower tone. I think about it 
all the time. The mole reached out from under his blanket, felt for the rat's paw in the darkness, and gave it a squeeze. I'll do whatever you like, Ratty, he whispered. Shall we run away tomorrow morning quite early? Very early, and go back to our dear old hole on the river? Oh, no, we'll see it out, whispered back the rat. Thanks awfully, but I ought to stick by Toad till this trip is ended. It wouldn't be safe for him to be left to himself. It won't take very long. His fads never do. Good night. The end was indeed nearer than even the rat expected. We'll continue our story on our next episode. We are always on the hunt for great stories like these to feature on the show. You can send your suggestions to bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel full of stories from the show. Go to tiny.cc slash bedtime. If you found some value in our storytelling tonight, don't forget to show the love. There's a buy me a coffee link on every post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>